Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. We have a continuation of our conversation with my dear friend, Michelle Jones. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Denise. Won't people be surprised when they find out that not only do we have, we're talking about your career, hospitality, the pandemic, your partnership in, in which I think is so brilliant because he was the chef and you've been the front of the house and what you're doing next, but that there's like a bonus reel today. <laughs> We're gonna, maybe that's what Cindy will call it. Cindy picks out the names. She's very clever. <laughs> people don't even know that we recorded a bonus reel. And, a really fun bonus reel. You know, really. And which can be so helpful. I think it'll be very helpful to a lot of women and maybe men. Anyway, hello, thank you, thank you, thank you for more of your time. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's, it's, you've been uplifting, Michelle. It's, I haven't laughed that hard. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it feels like an, and also that we no, got- it was fun. And Cindy to join us because Cindy doesn't always join in. Now listen, when we last spoke about your career, you had just met Jason Alley. So you need to go on and tell us Okay. Because that's one of the things that happens, and I think, and we discussed this too. Sometimes you meet someone who can be a business partner, and the two of you are, you just mesh well. Okay. Yes. You know, um, I always joke about Jason and I that it was like the best blind date that I never had because <laughs> we, we had such a great time. And it turned out that his wife is every bit as cool as he is, which you don't always get that. Let's be frank, right? Yeah, uh, usually like one part, but she's amazing too. And so like, I, I became his manager at Comfort in Portsmouth right during um, the stock market crash in 2007, 2008. So I was doing things I had never done before. I was throwing events, like, you know, I'd booked bands, I'd done things like that, but this was like me throwing an 80s prom before people were really doing it a lot and doing anything possible to get people in the door because it was just a, a really weird time that ended up being the wrong spot for us but it but we realized how well we worked together Perfect. and so we decided that we would keep up the partnership and what's funny is when he hired me he said there's going to be room for growth and I was like okay and then we closed the place within a year because <laughs> of everything and there's no room for growth but there was and so I go back to work for a, a friend of mine who owned a bar and that was a lot of fun and um but we kept building towards something and we eventually were able to open pasture and that had, we had a lot of success with pasture. It was also Southern. We started out with Southern small plates, which everyone thought was a great idea until they realized that they couldn't, like there were certain people that can't wrap their mind around small plates. Yes. So I always say that we would have to have one dish for my dad. So in fact, we had five dishes for my dad who would refuse to order small plates, a steak, a hamburger, a chicken, that kind of thing. But with pasture, we, I was able to test a lot of my crazy theories and some of them were right on. Some of them weren't. <laughs> but how smart. But, but if you don't try, right. see, this, you have to try. You have to try. And so we we opened to a lot of fanfare. Jason already had Comfort in Rich, Richmond, which had been voted like best restaurant by Southern Living, which Pasture then usurped that as the best restaurant in Virginia by Southern Living two years in a row. 
Jason, once we started working together and I started helping him more with a little bit of PR, he had always been the voice for chefs in Richmond. He won best chef eight years running wow. um, in, from Style Weekly, which was our local magazine. And, you know, from the, from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, we got so much national press. We were very lucky. But, you know, even then we had, a, we had a dip after three months. And so I had to start figuring out how you're going to get people back in the door. So I created these like crazy, um, what, I guess we'll call them holidays. I would find like, you know, what some random thing. I love the Loch Ness Monster. So we celebrated the first day that the Loch Ness Monster was spotted. And we made a drink that looked like the Loch Ness Monster with murky gray and a, a, a gummy worm sticking out of the top. We were packed. Fabulous. So I just had to figure out, and I also had to figure out how to use Facebook, how to use social media, because that was still sort of new. And so I was like the first person in Richmond taking pictures of drinks, taking pictures of people, anything that I could do, you know, sharing every goofy article, you know, um, the sign that says, say what you will about the South, but no one ever retires up North, those kind of <laughs> things. I would get as many, right, things like that. So it was amazing. We had a really, really good run. And eventually um, Jason's partner in comfort wanted to be bought out and I bought him out and tried to turn that around. And I think I succeeded to a certain degree. Um, the culture had not been what they had wanted it to be. And I bought it out when the city decided to put a bus uh, down the middle of Broad Street, which is where we're located. And it was supposed to be six months and it was two years yeah. that we had no parking for almost six blocks. Oh God. So yeah. <laughs> this, if, if people, this is something, and I say this to people all the time, Michelle, but such a, you're saying it so politely, there are going to be things that happen to you that you have no control over in your mm -hmm. career. Do you know what I mean? I've, and I know for me, sometimes earlier in my career, not in the past, 20 years but I would blame myself like how come I didn't know that was going to happen do you know what I mean or how couldn't I have anticipated that or if only I'd see well you can't right because sometimes shit happens that impacts your financial situation yes Period. I mean I, I always say it this way my my good friend Linda when I was working a lot would take care of my dog for me and 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 to do something for her I would always say you can eat for free at any of my restaurants you and your husband and she would drive around the block 14 times and not be able to find a parking place and head on to somewhere where she had to pay. <laughs> I so how were the, how were the paying customers going to feel about that? Right. Oh my God. Right. So, and, and what, and for me, the thing was when you were saying, you know, how you beat yourself up a little bit, was it hubris that I thought I could overcome this? I knew that there was going to be the, I knew the bus, but I said to myself, if we put good people in place and we, we change the menu, we clean up the place, you know, surely, right? But it, it might have been a little bit of hubris on my part that I said to myself, we'll just keep doing what we do. Well, it's a great product. People love the place. Um, but, you know, it wasn't enough. And so, yeah, it, that, was a, that was a tough one. That was a tough pill to swallow. Very tough. And, but what happens is you just carry on. You just go. I mean, we, you know, um, so we did these restaurants were hugely successful, um, mostly in every way, but money, right? Because we always paid as much to our staff as we could afford. When I would see what other people were paying and how people now are saying you have to get people up to $12 an hour. I paid hostesses $12 an hour, right? 10 to 12 plus tips. So there's a reason that the money wasn't, there wasn't as much money at the end. 
We closed pasture in 2019 and closed comfort in 2020. When we closed comfort, the night before they announced it in the newspaper and all over online, it was all over everywhere. The night before we had done, it was a, it was a Monday in January and we had done about 25 covers. The following night we did 100. The night after that, it was like 125. We had people flying in all over from all over the country. Oh. It was so gratifying. It was also sad and it made you angry. Yes. Right? Where have you been all this time? Yes. Um, but it was really great to see how much people appreciated us. And, you know, also it's a good reminder for people that because people would, like, I mean, people were upset. Like, why would you close? Why is this happening? And I would say, if you love a place, <laughs> you have to not just think of it as special occasions. And, you know, in restaurants now, I read an article years ago that really made me think it's like, and you'll understand this because it said when rest, a restaurant used to close, a, another restaurant would go into that spot, but you didn't have, you, you only had to worry about the restaurant spots that you knew about. You didn't have to worry about a dry cleaner. In Richmond, a dirty bookstore being turned into a restaurant. Everything has become a restaurant. And so there's exponentially so many more restaurants than there there are. And so there's just, you know, that that wonderful guest that ate with you once a week or twice a week, there's still a, a few of them, but they're not, there's so many new places. There's so many ways to get food, you know, Uber Eats, Grubhub. Yes. You know, so I feel like restaurants, all their, the, the food's got to be great, but what really has to stand out is service. You have to be, you have to give the people a reason to get off their couch and come inside and buy that extra drink and buy that dessert and all that stuff. You know, I, you said that really well, Michelle. And I'll tell you something else, which is just cultural shifts. People want to, I like, see, I'll go to, I'm one of those, I think part of it's my generation, it's my age. I go to the same restaurants, the couple of two little restaurants, my husband and I around here. Mm -hmm. And we've moved here, what, two, three years ago now in Ventura. And there's some great restaurants. But see, I'll go back to the same restaurant over and over and over again, okay? I like what I got. I like the kids that work there. The bartender knows how to make my drink. And one of them is an example. It's called Dargan's in Ventura. It's an Irish pub. The guy that owns it owns two places on Main Street. They are not fancy. The food is delicious. It's a hamburger, it's fish and chips. But I know because I have met him now, the same Hispanic men have cooked in that kitchen for like 20 years. So right. what you have, you have consistency. Mm -hmm. You never, if I order, I, I start, we started eating there 12 years ago. I order a burger, I get the same burger. Right. And you'll go to a place that the burger is just fine, right? Not even spectacular if it's consistently the same every time and you know what you're going to get. But I don't, I'm not, I, I just think that when I say the culture shift, I have friends that say, let's go somewhere new. Let's go somewhere new. Let's go somewhere new. Now, that's great. I, I go to someplace new. Actually, what Kenny and I always say to each other is we should go to someplace new, but why don't we go back to Dargan's? Mm -hmm. okay. Or there's a place called The Raven here the same way. Or it's Yolanda's, a Mexican family that has three restaurants that has been in Ventura for 25 years. So I do, but I think, now, because of social media, there and there's a whole sense to people that they need something new. Well, then that's harder to support, especially during money tight times, mm -hmm. to support the places you really love. Right. 
you can't do both. You can't be in two places at once. That's right. And you're right with social media and the need to, to show something new and a different new thing. Content, new place. Look yes. how hip I am. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Right. And so I do think that that's been a problem. When um, Anthony Bourdain came to Richmond, there was this big stink because he wanted <laughs> to eat at a place that had been there for like 25 years. And all these people are saying, why wouldn't we take him to this new place? My places came up. And so I reached out to the people on social media who whose restaurant he was going to. And I was like, I think it's so cool. He wants to come there. You guys are friends. And I did say on social media, isn't the goal longevity? Yes. Aren't we supposed to try to keep these places open? Yes. Someday this will hopefully be you if you manage to stay open for 25 years. That's right. The goal is that we stay open. Uh, my, my partner, Jason, liked to say that closing isn't sustainable, right? When you talk about sustainable sustainability, yeah. well, if you close everything up, that's not sustainable. You know, and, and opening new stuff all the time, that's not sustainable either. You have to, so yes, you got to support the places that you love or they're going to close and, and, and it's going to become a Starbucks. And yes. And you know what, Michelle, and it's not just restaurants. I feel like that. I'm one of those people and my, I was raised this way. We're loyal. If you've gone to the same shoe shop for 30 years, do you know what I mean? And they right. do a nice job, but it's kind of run down and it's a myth. But you know those people and I yeah. want to support those people. Right. I'm loyal. I want the people that have worked hard in my community to keep having success. And I do think that they're, that's something that may not be taught it right i don't know I, all i know is i call it a cultural shift because people feel differently i think they do and you know i always think about this so um i had someone start working for us and i always give people our spiel but i don't like it to sound canned and so i say you make it your own and so this guy his thing that he liked to say to people was have you ever dined with us before and i said absolutely not no way do you know why and he was like no and i said because I go to this place down the road that I go to often and every time I have the same waitress and every time that waitress says, have you ever dined with us before? And I say, yes, for years, <laughs> for years, I was here last week. You waited on me. I was here three months ago. You waited on me. Everyone wants to feel like they are known, right? That's Even if they're at new places, they don't want to be called out as they, they haven't been here before. And he was like, oh my God, I kind of get it. And I was like, you know what? I'll take kind of. Because he was like 22, fine. And, and that's the spiel that he gets in other restaurants. Hey, have you ever dined with us before? And I was like, our, our menu should not be written in such a way that we have to really walk them through it. That, you know, that if they should be able to, to figure out themselves if they haven't dined with us before. And we, it's on us to be friendly and, and inviting enough that they feel comfortable asking whatever questions. But I do think that's sort of indicative of where we are is like, there's so many new people coming in all the time, but everyone I still think wants to feel remembered and like a regular. And you know what? When we go to the same old places that we go to, but we're happy and they are new waitresses or mm -hmm. waiters because it's because most of them go back to college or, you know, different things happen. And you know, Ventura is very similar, very one of those communities. There's a lot of retired people here and there's a lot of young people here. Mm -hmm. 
So, but I'm always the type, Michelle, when something like in restaurants that I go to, I say to the waitress or waiter when they approach us and said, we eat here every week. Exactly. We eat here all the time. We love it here. Right. I tell people and you know what I mean? I tell people because I want them to know that we are loyal. There's there's something to be said for that. And um, there's a great restaurant here in Richmond called Moore Street Cafe. It's just what it sounds like. It's great breakfast a great burger, all these things. And they have always been really kind to us. They've come to our places. But every time I go in there, the one of the waitresses will make sure to say, hey, Michelle. And the next time, and I'll go, hey. And that means that the other waitresses hear that and they hear my name and they remember it. And I'm not a person who needs to be recognized, but it sure feels nice. I love going into places that people smile at me mm-hmm. or say, oh yeah, I saw, I saw you last time or I waited exactly. on you before. And yes. because, yeah, because- in And this- I always think that the hospitality industry on the best day, on your worst day, maybe you're forcing the smile and you're just serving the food, but on the best day, and for me, it was most days, it feels like it's my party, whether I was the waitress or the manager or the owner. And that these people have, decided to come out and spend their time and their money with me that I owe them the best of me and the friendliest and you know and I and I feel like I get that at some at a lot of these small places and shoot I was at Red Lobster two weeks ago uh by myself because I needed some Cheddar Bay biscuits and I say needed I I ate alone they didn't give me the sad oh you're a woman eating alone thing which I appreciated because I ate alone Sometimes I just don't want to hear anybody after I've been, you know, I'm no longer in the day to day, but just was like, I need an hour to myself. But this woman at Red Lobster, she was just so kind and so gracious and couldn't have been nicer to me, you know, and I'm a woman alone. Yeah. Sometimes there are particular ideas about what the tip's going to be. She wasn't working the tip. She was just being kind. And I just love that. I have to tell you in, this is so funny. You should say this. And this is why. On Mondays, I go to the chiropractor. Now, I finish, I finish the chiropractor and I drive to the McDonald's drive-thru. I don't eat any food at McDonald's except a breakfast egg McMuffin mm-hmm. that he knows for years. Well, then one day I ch- tried the egg, cheese, and bacon biscuit. Okay, now I'm going to tell you something. And I don't care who says, oh my God, I can't believe you would even admit that. It's delicious, okay? McDonald's is delicious. We, we don't eat it not because it isn't delicious, because we don't, we don't eat it every, every day because it's right. not good for you. Right. <laughs> so I eat those fries. Monday, Once a month, I have to have the fries. It's, there you go. So on Monday, after my chiropractor, I go through the drive-thru. Now, here's the part that I love, Michelle, what we were talking about. There's an older man that takes the money. You know, you order in the thing mm-hmm. and that's all the kids in the back and they've got headphones on and they're putting your order together. One, one coffee, one this, what, what do you upgrade, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the older man, he's an older Indian man, East Indian man, always has on his shirt and tie. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And a vest, cause he's standing in that cold window. Mm-hmm. Well, he's always there on Monday. I don't know if, I, right. but so the first couple of times and he takes, cause you know how hard it is. He takes your, your change and wraps it in the receipt. So it doesn't drop. Mm-hmm. But I started saying to him, put the change. Cause they have the bucket there, right? For Ronald McDonald's house. So I, yeah. I can't reach it from my car thing. So I always said, oh, you can put the change 
in that in the Ronald McDonald House or whatever it's for, for their charities. He says, oh, thank you. Now, so this has been going on. Well, I go change my chiropractic day a couple of weeks because of the holidays. I'm back in there on Monday and he says to me, hello, where have you been? <laughs> See? He said, happy holidays to you. Now, I need you to know something, Michelle, because I'm spending much more time alone now than I have, you know, in the last 30 or 30 years. I said, well, was, I'm fine. I was at the holidays. I'm back on my, I'm so glad to see you. I almost cried. I thought, right. I thought, so I I'm lonely. If I'm yes. looking for some content here, what are we? But it was a very, because to get something warm that I'm going to eat from someone who, you mm -hmm. know, saying something kind to me, it just, it was a lovely feeling. And I'm going to point this out to you too, because we forget this sometimes is that I'm sure that you're friendly and kind to him every time you see him. And that means something to him as well. But he does look forward to seeing you. I'm sure, I hope to God that every person that goes through the McDonald's drive-thru is friendly and kind, but I don't believe they are, uh, knowing what I've dealt with. Uh, this is a great story just about, I try to be friendly to everybody, right? I look everybody in the eye. That includes the homeless people that live on my block. If, you know, I used to live downtown. I would see a lot of them. And my friend was like, are, who are you talking to? And I'm like, they're, they're my neighbors, right? So I'm friendly to everyone. So Jason and I were in New York. We had done some food event and it was Super Bowl Sunday. I go through, oh, and he, he was still drinking then. Jason is now sober. I've always been sober, mostly, you know, I can, I, drinking is not my jam. But so, so we were given this fancy bottle of bourbon, which was in Jason's carry on. And thankfully, I decide I'm, I, I'm always friendly, as I said. So I walk through and I see this very friendly, this TSA agent. And I wave to her and I say, hey, how are you? How is your day? And she says, oh my God. And I say, what? And she says, I've been here since 8 a.m. It was 3.30. She said, you're the first person who smiled at me and asked me how my day was. And I said, well, that's crazy. I said, I can guarantee you that the guy behind me is gonna say hello and be friendly. And she was like, we'll see. And so Jason comes through and of course he's friendly and like, hey, or whatever. And thankfully, because we have the bottle of bourbon on us <laughs> that has to be taken out of the bag and either thrown out or have him have a drink or two. But she was so nice about it. And I said to myself, it's eight, since 8 a.m. to 3.30, no one has smiled at this woman and no one has asked her how she was doing. And I think that that's true of a lot of jobs, right? Whether it's the person at the drive-thru or whatever. And so I'm always trying to be conscious of that fact that I might be the first person who is friendly to this person today, that's as sad as that might be. And I feel like your, your McDonald's guy is, is saying, where's Denise? <laughs> no <laughs> one's been nice to me yet. That is such a big piece and it's bigger than the hospitality industry, but certainly it, it, it's a big piece in our society today of people reaching out to each other and being nice. And you said mm -hmm. it last time we were talking, see manners don't go out of style. No, you're being polite, thanking other people, good manners never go out of style. And if we've lost that, if we lose that piece, it makes for uh, many more divisions. Do you know what I mean? And I, had, I had a kid work for us who was a really nice kid, but manners were not his thing, right? I mean, but, but he was nice. And we discussed it a little bit that when I say good morning, that what I would appreciate it if he would say good morning back to me or whatever his variation of good 
morning is. I don't care what it is, but that I believe and that I like to say goodbye to people when I leave because I think that's courteous. And I'm also at this point, I feel like, you know, I say thank you. And he goes, you're always thanking me for coming into work. And I said, I am thanking you because I'm grateful. And he said, it makes me feel weird. And I said, you know, I looked up about manners and manners are not supposed to make you feel weird. They're supposed to make everyone feel more comfortable. That's why we have the kind of manners we have in this society. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, but, and he said, that makes, that does make sense, Michelle. And so we would go and I'd say, good morning. And he would say, how's it going? And I'm like, great, you know, and, but it was important to me that we have that dialogue and, and this kid called me on it. And I, and I thought, well, at least he's trying to understand why. And I feel like it served him going forward in life. Absolutely, Just good manners. Tell us, I, I know some of them, but please tell the audience, Michelle, in your marketing, you know, social media, all the PR, all the, the words have changed. No one uses marketing anymore. But right, whatever it is, it's, yes. What, promotions, let's say promotions and stuff. I need you, I would like to hear about some of the community work that you did through your restaurant because restaurants, because I think it's so incredibly important. So we have always felt like, and this is, I'm including Jason in this because they were our restaurants very much. And so we have always felt like it's more important to spend our money helping people and earn the PR than it is to take out an ad or something like that, right? So we were always looking for earned PR. And because of who I am and how I grew up, I believe charity is a really big, important thing. So like when I was a waitress and then I was a manager at a small restaurant, I always helped people as I could. I always did the angel tree. I um, We had a dishwasher who lived in a very bad neighborhood and I helped her get um, back to school clothes and school supplies for kids in her neighborhood. So I always did that on a smaller scale. When we started Pasture, we decided that we wanted to have specific charities that we identified that needed our help. And so Jason grew up hungry some, and I grew up um, worried about being in foster care because of my crazy life. And so we used both of those platforms, anti-hunger and foster care charities. And that's how we really promoted ourselves. So instead of just saying, you know, we, we did other fun things as well, but anytime we did a big promotion, so, um, and that worked really great for us, you know, inviting the community to come and eat some pimento cheese on us and have a dollar beer and bring gifts for kids in foster care um, was a huge night. And it got us great local, local press. We did Thanksgiving for kids in foster care on Thanksgiving, not on a Tuesday, a random Tuesday and call it Thanksgiving. They ate with us and with our families. And that got us on the front page of the Richmond times dispatch. I mean, I would have done it for, for no publicity, yes. but it was also earning us and making a name for ourselves as people who are kind. And I mean, I got more, way more out of it than the kids did probably. I, I loved it. But so, yeah, so I was, um, I was Diane Sawyer's uh, person of the week, her last one uh, national news because of our, foster, our work with foster care. So, I remember reading something, it was posted, it was in social media and I read it about you, that you, everyone, you, you suggested that people bring suitcases for yes. children that were in foster care? Yes, um, that's what, that's how I was, Diane Sawyer's person of the week. I forget how it goes. So 
um, I had read an article years before about how kids in foster care, because it's an emergency situation, they go, they don't have, they, they have very, very few things, but they also carry their clothes in garbage bags because the, 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 when people come in and have to make this move, it's, it's fast. And so I said to myself, I grew up, we were homeless some, we, we lived in our car, we lived in our van, we camped, if you will. Um, but I always had my little bag that my mom had gotten me at Disney and it had my stuff in it. And so I had been trying to find a way to help these, to help these kids in Richmond and the state of Virginia, but never had been able to find the right person. And finally I ran into the right person and I said, I want to provide bags for kids in foster care and for, to go from place to place. And she was like, well, how would you do it? And I was like, you get me the kids and I will get the bags. I promise. And so we did the first one and we had about a hundred bags. And then Carrie Pfeiffer, who is responsible for, she was the Richmond food writer for a long time at the Richmond Times Dispatch, just got downsized, which I'm not thrilled about. But anyway, she has this particular way of talking. And so she tweets out basically, hey, you fucks, we need to get these poor <laughs> fucking kids some fucking bags. Can somebody help Michelle Jones? Well, it gets picked up by ABC National News. I think it's still just local, but no, it's national. And they come out and they do this thing. I was able to, through all of that, put 1,100, collect 1,100 bags. That's Some of them brand great. new. So, and then we just continued it. We did, we kept doing bags and then I continued it into toiletries for kids. And then we had the Thanksgiving and we had Christmas parties for them where I collected gifts. You've been to pasture, if you remember how big it Beautiful. was. About, so the, the front is about 2,500 square feet. At the Thanksgiving, we had desserts fill the entire bar and all of the tables in the front. At Christmas, I had so many gifts that each kid was able to leave. They just go through and just pick anything they wanted. And they would leave with like garbage bags, literally filled with gifts. It was amazing. That's amazing. That makes me cry about the suitcases, Michelle. I remember when I read it because, oh, you know, oh, it, 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 the trauma is enough, you know, and the more I've read recently, the trauma of all of it, homeless parents that may, that are doing their best, but are falling through the cracks or right. it's the, a, it's a crime it. in the United States now to be poor. That's it. It's, it's, and I grew up with a single mom working the best she could. I was helping work and we, we skated by, you know, but it was, a, it was a different time, I think. And, you know, when you look at, you know, we, this could be a whole nother series, but with how much minimum wage is versus gone up, it has not gone up at all in 10 years, but how the house that I'm renting has uh, quadrupled in value in, in, the, in that time is ridiculous. So but I just always wanted to be, I'm a person who likes to help. I'm a person who likes to do things. Um, part of the coolest thing was getting to meet a lot of the kids in the foster care. They came to my parties, you know. I don't miss, I miss, I miss owning restaurants. I miss the camaraderie. I don't miss the crazy day-to-day -day grind. I don't miss any of that. I miss having that platform. I still do a lot and I still, you know, we raise money and like, you know, but it's it's not the same as that hands-on and me remembering that the little girl who loved pink, that I got her, you know, three pink sweatshirts in various colors and that kind of thing. And she cried or the little girl who, when she came to 
um, Thanksgiving said she liked pumpkin pie and we had so many desserts. That's the other thing that about restaurants, the restaurant industry is most people who own restaurants and work in restaurants are the most generous. I agree. And so when I ask for desserts, I didn't just get a dessert. I got so many. And so I let this little girl who foster care, you know, a lot of them have food insecurities. When it was over, she went home with 14 pumpkin pies back to her, <laughs> her, her, where she lived with her in a group home. And she was like, oh my God. And I was like, you said you like pumpkin pies. Let's do it, you know? Or when we were waiting for a bus to bring the, the second group of kids and Jason wanted everyone to sort of eat together like a family. And I had all these desserts and I get up and I yell, hey guys, so we're waiting and I know everyone's hungry. How about we eat dessert first? And this one guy yells, that old white lady's crazy. <laughs> and I was like, am I the old white lady? I think I am. But he was, they, they were like, no, no, it can't happen. And so I get up and I cut myself a piece of pie and I start to eat it. And they're like, she's serious. And so, and I was like, you know, these kids don't have a lot of whimsy in their lives, right? A lot of silly, somebody saying, something as simple as saying, eat all the dessert you want, pack up everything, leave nothing. And, you know, just leave enough dessert for the kids that are coming, <laughs> that we're waiting for. But so it was just, it, it's, it's, and it's, the, and again, I always, with my consulting business now, I always tell people, pick a charity that means something to you. And that way you can funnel, you know, my mom had breast cancer. If someone calls me and asks me for a gift card for a breast cancer charity, of course, I'm going to do that. Right. Yeah. But having the charities that you are already working towards is so important. And it also helps you form an identity for your brand. Right. Yes. Mich Michelle Jones and foster care. People know that. And, you know, I still get, I get calls and texts and people asking me to help with things. And if I can do it, I still do it, whether I have a restaurant or not, I'll find another place to do it. That's exactly right. Now, so tell us, so out of closing your last restaurant, you and Jason turned around and said, boy, we sure know a lot about the restaurant industry. Maybe. Yes. Well, we would honestly already started consulting a little bit. Part of the reason I... I have always felt like information should be free in a way, right? And so if I know something and you ask me, it, it didn't occur to me to quantify it, right? Right? But then what I realized was that I had a lot of people calling me and asking me these questions and the same thing for Jason. And we would tell them this and then they would turn around and hire a consultant to tell them the same thing. But because they weren't paying us, it our information didn't have as much Merit. weight. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So we had started doing a little bit of consulting before that. And of course, unofficially, a lot of consulting um, <laughs> in the beginning. Because um, like I said, if I know something, I always want to share some, share that knowledge with people. But so now, yes. So um, Jason is working, doing some work for the city of Richmond and I'm consulting. I also worked for like the Virginia Restaurant Travel Lodging Association, helped them do um, give out grants during the pandemic via DoorDash. I've helped um, helped out at Habitat for Humanity, but I also have my clients that you know we help in, and I do tell them that I think that having associating with a charity is good for everybody. It's great for the charity. It's great for them. It's earned PR. It's the right thing to do. I couldn't agree with you more, and it's so smart. But and let me tell you, this was my in my experience with this, Michelle. So for years when I was in catering. 
the, I worked for the two, I ran the kitchens of two of the biggest catering companies in Los Angeles. Actually, I was, my roommate at the time ran one and I ran one. And then the, uh, that competitive company hired me and I worked for them on different things. Okay. So, but we did big events. We did premieres. We did premieres of movies, Air America, you name it. I mean, there were just, I can't think of all of them right now. They're probably, they're in my bio somewhere written down, but tons of big premieres. Now, the good news and the bad news. One was a Michael Keaton film where he's in charge of a bunch of crazy guys and they go to a baseball game or something. Okay. I remember the couch trip. No. Okay. Go. Not sure. <laughs> but anyway, so it had various scenes. Well, this was a big premiere. Michael Keaton was at the top in those days, you know. Now, George Christie, who was a columnist, who took all the free food he could ever get from any caterer in Los Angeles, the guy. <laughs> Fuck. Never mind. He was a, a trip. Well, what happened is, and this is probably, I would say, the late 80s or right at the beginning of the 90s, with this big Michael Keaton film, we had like four places. So we had a street in New York, we had the ballpark, we did the, wherever the scenes in the restaurant were. Well, it turned out the premiere cost almost $480,000. Oh my God. Not unusual. Wow. Not unusual. Okay. But George Christie puts that in his column, finds that out, puts in his column. Well, you know, it was good. A lot of people, rich people said, oh, well, isn't that what a big party cost? Other people said, <laughs> and wrote it into Variety, and then it got picked up in the LA Times, and then it went right. They're like, I could buy a house for that. People wrote in and said, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in my life. How in the, why in the hell should other rich people and actors and actresses get a party for a half a million dollars for hot dogs? Okay, now it was really well done. And I remember reading it and thinking, mm, not the review we were going for. <laughs> but I didn't own those companies. I was just working for them. Well, that's when all of a sudden the gift bags at the academy, everyone started to be a tie-in. That's when these big companies started saying, I don't mean just giving away powder Rolex watches. When big companies started saying, we'll sponsor you. And then the money goes to this mm -hmm. charity. So in reality, it was the best thing that ever happened. Talk about the honesty. So whenever, up until then, promote films but it wasn't doing any good for anybody right Do you know what I mean? just for the film and the party just for the film right. a bad film <laughs> you know what I mean? so, when you say that to consult with your clients to say what can we do what can you do now right to, but to do something for somebody else it's just common sense yes. it's the smartest in the whole world everyone should be thinking that way in their business i feel like that's true right and i feel like that particularly in the hospitality industry which can be considered like you're talking about frivolous in a way right now it's it's not a necessity not a necessity but if you're tying it into these things and these parties and stuff, I, and I love that idea. Like there's a great Richmond charity that's actually, is it called Girls for a Change? And I promote them whenever I can. And I'm, you know, and I have a, a client who is a young black woman and these are young black women. And I'm like, this is perfect. The yes. perfect idea for you. Um, not that, not that I don't promote them as well. And she was like, how have I never heard of them? And so it's one of those things where it was a, a perfect match. And so I do love that. And I think that restaurants at their heart are community meeting places. They're, you know, they're still like the pub in, in England. They're all these things. 
So they, we really are so much more than just selling food. But if you can understand that from the beginning and you work, work from that, that, you know, I, I wish I had thought of it earlier, honestly, yeah. uh, you know, there was a company recently now I can't remember, but it, it'll come to me tonight and then I'll text you. No. It's a company that I didn't admire very much. And recently on TV, they were promoting something really yeah. wonderful. Do you know what I mean? It was one of the situations I said to my husband, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm shocked. I didn't know right. they had that in them. And in fact, I thought to myself, okay, if that's where they're putting some of their money, I'll, I'll, I'll go them back to time. them. Think Do about Wendy's, right? Wendy's, Dave, Dave Thomas was huge in the, in adoption yeah. and foster care. And I don't like Wendy's fries and I'm not a big on the frosty, but every so often I'll spend my money at Wendy's because I know it does some good. Einstein bagels is at their local uh, East coast company, I think. And they do a lot of work with foster care. And if I have an opportunity to, to like bring breakfast somewhere, I always go to Einstein bagels. I say this to people all the time, where do they put their money? Do you know what I mean? Where does that, it's much like, where does a politician put his vote? But where, you know, so I'm voting for someone who has val. I want to vote for people that have values like I. Yeah, exactly. And so comfort, our, our last year comfort, we were a nonprofit restaurant as much as we could be. We were donating all of our money that we could to feed more. We were using our platform to talk about, you know, fe feeding the hungry, um, the food, food insecurity. Um, and that was a really great thing for us. It, you know, it got us a, lo a lot of great publicity and it got them a lot of great publicity. Yes. So yeah, it, it is true. Like aligning yourself and letting people, yeah, I think it's the opposite of what it used to be. It used to be like, don't tell anybody what your politics are, keep the politics out of it. And now I feel like people want to know how they're spending their money and they want to know that it aligns to what they are, whether, whether you're talking about that you're a Democrat or Republican, whatever it is, there are certain things that I want to make sure align with the things that I'm interested in and that how I want my money to be spent, whether it's locally or McDonald's. That's right. No, Michelle, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's a very, what a wonderful point. I think, you know, because, and this is just me, if I find out that I'm going to a doctor and this is just me or to a, a, a business or whatever, and they, their um, values are so different than mine, I'm not yeah. going to support them, okay? <laughs> Right. I'll say to my husband and my husband, of course, and I have this very much the same politics, but I'll say to my husband, they're fascists. We're not going right. to, we're not supporting them. He says, okay, simmer down, simmer down. But I think that that, I think that in this day and age, you have to be aware of how valuable your donations, money, mm -hmm. and what your business can do in your community, mm -hmm. what you can do for your community. I don't know why, why we ever got away from that because you know what I mean? But we have, and it's important. Madam. I cannot thank you enough. And I have to tell you, I could talk to you long. And I, we've, <laughs> I think so. We've had, I've had such a great time. And I don't want to thank you and Cindy for having me. And Michelle has promised us the picture that you took with. I'm going to send you the picture of me and Molly. Oh, Ringwald. yes, that one. Yes. Now, uh, Jason and Drew Barrymore. Oh, yes. I wish I was sending you, I'm going to say it again, because I say it out to the universe, the picture of me and Keanu Reeves, but that doesn't exist okay. yet. And you yes. know what the thing is? 
You, I can see you and Keanu together. I can I mean, see your good heart. We just have to put, we have to put it out, there it out to the universe. Absolutely. I mean, that's all you can do. I, he was at, he was at a food event <gasps> in um, South Carolina that all these people that I know were there. And all of a sudden I kept getting these texts, aren't you coming? And I was like, no, I'm not doing Greenville this year. And they're like, well, um, I just sat next to Keanu Reeves. And I was like, can you hold him right there? I will be there in nine hours and 32 minutes, according to what my phone says. <laughs> and I didn't get there. Well, okay. We're just going to keep that thought percolating. That's all we're going to do. Intentions are everything. Yes. So Cindy, he might have a brother. I don't know. There you go. You might have a twin brother. I he's got a cute friend. That's right. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Contact us. You're welcome. You. It's womenbeyond at iCloud.com. I want to thank Cindy, who keeps the um, the the train on the tracks. I always say that. But today, um, and you'll hear it in another podcast. Cindy was uh, jumped off the train herself and was just chatting up with us, which I people are, I don't think people are going to believe it. They're going to think someone was impersonating Cindy. So thank you everyone and, and write us and I hope people enjoy meeting Michelle Jones and Michelle, I can't thank you enough for your time today. I have loved every minute of it. All right, bye.